we, we so broke we, the, we just broke the space time continuum or this is the cold open what's up everybody welcome back to always to there are a star wars discussion podcast i'm josiah here with my co-host steven hey what's up not much what's up with you uh, I'm getting ready to go into how to fix Star Wars. Yeah, we we talked a lot, a lot last episode about what's wrong with Star Wars. That was that was meant to be an intro to this today's episode, and it turned into an entire episode on its own. Yep. Well, I mean, it it kind of needed to be. Yeah. Uh, now this needs to be its own episode or two. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so why don't we just go ahead and get right into it? Uh, I would recap what we talked about last episode, but I don't remember. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just covered a lot of like our like personal problems with Star Wars and the things that we mainly with the sequel trilogy, the things that we didn't agree with the way that were handled by Disney, etc. There, so, there's a lot wrong. Yeah, with, it what's I think is kind of interesting is. Most of it is honestly in like the Disney era of yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff pre Disney that people didn't like, but it was never as divisive as the stuff being put out by Disney. Because well, as soon as Lucas sold it to Disney, anything after that can can uh what's the word I'm looking for? It is like totally valid to say that it's not Star Wars because it's not Lucas. And if you define Star Wars as Lucas, which sure. is va- which is a valid way to define Star Wars, sure. Uh, and yeah. it, it gets wildly more complicated than that. But I, I feel do like- too. But it's I don't think I think there are not as many people that define Star Wars that way yeah, as yeah. most people would think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think I feel like a lot of a, a lot of Star Wars nerds. That like a lot of Star Wars movie nerds before before the sequels, like my uncle is real big into Star Wars, massive Star Wars fan, watches all the movies and shows, but he's not like super deep into the like the deep lore, and so like he was he hated the sequels not for what they did to like the Star Wars EU and everything, but just for how they differed from George Lucas's Star Wars. You know, honestly, I think that's why most people didn't like them. Yeah, is it because the sequel trilogy didn't really do anything to the EU. It it did things. Uh, I would I would disagree. There are certain we like, talked about last week. Luke Skywalker is wildly different. Sure, it, the post Han and Leia's post Endor children, etc. Uh, what I was referring to was the the sequel trilogy. If you have pre Disney, the Star Wars universe, it is defined by a set of rules. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the Force operates in certain ways. There are certain, like, unspoken, at least to the fourth wall to us, we don't know that yeah. these are yeah. laws, but there are, like, unspoken rules within the Star Wars universe. Like, you don't really have droid kamikaze. Otherwise, it defeats the purpose of having stories in Star Wars. If everything is just solved by a remote control droid or something. Mm. Um, so, I mean, as far as, like, storytelling within the meta... That's not really an interesting mechanic within the Star Wars universe, which is why I describe it as like this unspoken yeah. rule, at least, you know, to us, it's yeah, unspoken. Yeah. So, 
the sequel trilogy, specifically really The Last Jedi, came in and kind of rewrote a lot of this stuff. And it and in the way Ryan Johnson portrayed certain things, mm-hmm. specifically, like, and so as an example, the 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 light speed ramming of the supremacy it brought the hold up a maneuver the hold a maneuver the hold it, a maneuver it brought while it was probably the most gorgeous scene in all of star wars it was great you know visually speaking and honestly i thought like if that were to be a legitimate thing just within sci-fi generally that is how i would depict it being if it were to happen in reality that's how i would depict it to be you would get insane flashes of exceedingly bright light, and it would it would be kind of like from that point of impact, just kind of like a a spider web just going out in a cone from beyond it. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but it, it raised so many questions. Like, well, if you can do that, how come they didn't just do that to every weapon out there that's ever been a threat? Just Aim a ship at it with a droid pilot and press hyperspace button. Go. And then it's destroyed. I think it was one of those things that, like, it was it was unheard of. Like, like when in Force Awakens, when, when Han Solo says, we're going to uh, come out of hyperspace below their planetary shield. And Finn's like, that's not a thing that happens ever in flying ships. And Han Solo's like, well, we're going to see. We're going to give it a shot and see what happens. And because it's Han Solo, it works perfectly because Han Solo. But it's like one of the things like it may be one of the things that like people had thought like, hmm, I wonder what would happen if. But Haldo was in that like last ditch effort. Like she had zero options left. What could she possibly do? She was like, it's worth a shot. Right. I think that can be that can be explained away in just like human or humanoid uh like thought process sure um so okay what i'm really kind of describing here is it, it, it's more about like not necessarily whether it's possible because since the last Jedi, there's been all sorts of things like all, all sorts of theories or kind of retroactive explanations and so you have like pseudo light speed or pseudo hyperspace and that's that acceleration time from being still to actually getting into mm-hmm. whatever layer of space hyperspace exists in. Um, and it's in that moment when you're still like part of the real world, you can crash into things. And then once you're in it, then you can't crash into stuff. Um, but when you think about like episode nine, when they're doing the light speed skipping and that kind of thing flies in the face of the very first line we ever get to even remotely describe hyperspace and a new hope which is something that's like jumping into hyperspace ain't like dusting crops boy it requires precise calculations or will fly right into a supernova or an asteroid field and so you have poe just like blindly light speed skipping so it's already been established by the first movie that there are pretty strict rules and laws that regulate how hyperspace works. I feel like, again, can be explained away by it's people trying something that would, before this, be considered just ridiculous and stupid. Because Han Solo says, 
He doesn't say it can't be done. That's true. He says it's not like dusting crops. It requires precise whatever you just said. That's true. Right? And Poe's like, well, let's give it a shot. But, okay, so while that's fair, and I generally will agree with those kinds of arguments. uh, Well, that defeats the purpose of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The, The issue I find with that is more so in the writing aspect. Okay. Because I guess I guess that's valid, yeah. If you are going to create something like that and you aren't going to take the time and it's it's just like a throwaway thing just to explain what the audience is seeing mm. and it's something that on a more obvious level or more surface level kind of flies in the face of what's already been previously established, then it's it's bad writing to Mm -hmm. just fall back on the well it could be possible we don't know yeah so it's valid it's just like lazy writing i'd rather it be bad writing than bad star wars well unfortunately the bad writing makes it bad star wars Uh, okay (laughs) (laughs) okay so yeah i was about to say we don't want to talk too much about it we covered we already covered a lot of what's wrong with star wars so like why don't you give us a quick intro into what you've got for us today just a heads up guys so I'll, this is going to be less a back and forth discussion and more steven's detailed this is plan. how i would personally yeah. pick star wars you know with, sometimes with, companies will that are struggling or failing they'll hire in some sort of like person to come in and like fix the company steven has or, tried for years to be that guy for star wars i have i have and so I, if i were to be that kind of person that gets hired in to kind of give lucas arts or lucas film a a new direction or like a, a new, new hope yeah a new hope <laughs> that the, this is essential this spiel will be essentially how i do it and i will be interjecting as i see fit yeah feel free to just <laughs> ask questions poke and prod at what my my plan of action is (laughs) it's my plan is a deep it is thoughtful and it plays the long game just like palpatine's plan oh good ref co-host thanks man (laughs) all right let's jump right into it what do you got for us well okay so it's multifaceted and it as all good plans are yes and it it involves like stuff without like um what's the word not without Without stuff from from without the franchise, like Star outside Wars, of outside of stuff, and then that involves things within the franchise of Star Wars in terms of like writing, content, story, etc. I think without is a proper term there. It's just not a common term. Yeah, that might have been why it sounded so okay. weird. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so like from the corporate aspect, the, the like the first thing I would do is. Ensure that because it, it's Disney mm-hmm. and they had before they acquired Star Wars, they had massive success with yeah. Marvel. Oh, yeah, so gotta love it. And, and you know, early Marvel, like phase one Marvel, was fantastic, like it was fantastic. Okay, I'm just gonna this isn't a Marvel podcast. I watch where you step, Steven. <laughs> You're sitting across as, as big a Star Wars nerd as you are. I am that big of a Marvel nerd. I know. So watch where you step lightly. 
and phase two, three, and four suck. Okay, and that'll that's the end of our podcast. We are never recording again. <laughs> you know, they had it so well planned. Phase one into phase two into phase three and then beyond. Um, yeah. And it was... Is. It is. Back then would be was. It still is. I Yes, I am aware. <laughs> it was always intended to be a multimedia type thing. So you'd have your movies and then TV shows would be integrated and then the newer era of Marvel comics and stuff would be integrated so as I well. So I think I think for Marvel specifically and again not a Marvel podcast that is not entirely true. The t- uh phases 1 through 3 were it was a movie franchise. There was no extracurricular anything required to understand what's going on in the movies other than watching the movies. There was more lore to be learned but if you wanted to understand what was going on watch the movies and that's it phase four is very different with the tv shows um the comics are not there are comics that connect to the mcu the the movies the cinematic universe but they are not it's a one-way canon It's, it's like it's like agents of shield um for a long time i can't i don't even remember for sure if they're still I watched like the first three episodes. So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, inside Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is canon. But Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not canon to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, so they necessarily. have a So they have a canon tier list. Yes, that's a better way okay. to put it. So, But the newer shows, anything that is a Disney Plus original is fully canon to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, Daredevil was just recently recanonized. By Marvel, and I believe Agents of Shield is one that has been Which, recan- the TV show, the Netflix TV show okay. has been fully canonized by not not the, all uh, of them, not all of them, just Daredevil so far, and hopefully only Daredevil has been fully canonized. It was Iron Fist Marvel. not canon. Iron Fist was terrible. It was. That doesn't mean that it's not canon. I hope it means it's not canon. Because I'm thinking about episodes eight and nine right now. Yeah. Anyway, back to Star Wars. Anyone who tells me that that was a really like hard cut, <laughs> it really was. That's not editing. That's just my brain. So anyway, let's get back into it. Um, well, all of that was pretty pertinent because the point I'm making is that that format works for Marvel very well, not Star Wars. Mm. And because one of the biggest complaints I see from fans online is this or that doesn't make sense and then someone else will come in and comment and say oh go read the ray comics go read the poe comics go read the episode 8 visual dictionary Ugh. and then it will fill in the blanks and it's like okay hashtag bring back jedi bob that works for something that didn't start as a movie that works for stuff that began in comics or books Me like and- the marvel world did but not for Star Wars yeah, that started like, as a movie trilogy. Me and my cousins had this conversation a long time ago when Star the sequel trilogy was coming out. And one of them was trying to compare Star Wars to Marvel. And I was like, Star Wars and Marvel have had opposite uh, tracks. Where Marvel started out as a massive, massive multiversal comic universe. And was translated into a movie series. And now they are they are they can they can take from the comics they can make original stories etc. 
Star Wars started as a singular movie and has built from that point up until now, which now it's books and comics and movies and shows. And so like Marvel, the MCU, not Marvel, the MCU and Star Wars have had literal opposite um, tracks of growth, right? And so I think that may be a piece of like what you're saying, like Disney is, is using the Marvel template and it's not quite matching up. Right. So you can have your comics and your movies and your TV shows for Star Wars, but you shouldn't have, like, if we were to, say, map out Rey's life and her journey and her whole story, mm-hmm. if you as, like, a single solid line, that line should never cross the border between movie and TV show. Hmm. It can touch the border here and there, and those are, like, references. So when you're in the movie... There will be a small part, a small reference, a side character that would reference a TV show, like the appearance of like Din Djarin for one scene. Okay, there's a reference to the TV show, but Ray's journey, her story never crosses over into the TV show and then comes back into the movie. And then we're like, okay, so between this scene and that scene in the movie, or between movie one and movie two, there's a blank spot that we will never be able to fill in unless we go watch Ray in the TV show. And the reason That's why locked behind a subscription service to Disney plus seven ninety nine. Oh, I think they raised it actually. Was it that cheap? I don't know. I... It's seven ninety nine a month, 70 bucks a year. Wow. That's okay. Why it's so great. I was never really enthused with Disney's direction lately. So I've chosen so not to I, get Disney. Plus. I'm going to, I think I'm going to have to disagree with you here. And granted, this is coming from because we are we are coming to Star Wars from very different places. We covered that in our first episode. Like, um, but I am much more a Marvel fan than Star Wars, right? Um, and yet I have a Star Wars podcast. Um, but I am okay with the the format of like having the TV shows and everything. Now, granted, is it the best for Star Wars? Maybe not. But I'm not I'm not seeing it the same way as you because I'm okay with having. Like having like Dinjarin in the shows and then pop up in a movie, and that movie doesn't need to explain everything about Dinjarin. Now, is that best for Star Wars? And as I'm saying it, I'm actually thinking it wouldn't feel very Star Wars for Dinjarin to be in any movie. That would feel very strange for Star Wars for Dinjarin to pop up. And now I think I may have uh, just defeated my own argument. And convinced me of yours live on air by myself. I give you a golf clap. This is what this is what it's like being an external processor, guys. <laughs> I don't need someone to talk to. I just need someone to listen. So it's it's not that it's bad to have all the different medias. It's it's when significant portions of a particular character crosses that. Yeah. It, it within the time frame of a particular movie. And within the story of a movie. So, like, because if your movie requires an external TV show that has yet to be released Mm. in order to convey its complete story, it's badly written. That's valid. And, And that kind of thing is sort of expected with the MCU because of how... Uh, it's been organized. You have your ensemble movies. Yep. And then you have your standalone movies. Mm-hmm. And then you can have like your agents 
of shield mm-hmm. and that's, that's i think that was a big thing with like avengers endgame avengers infinity war you could kind of sort of maybe pe- put the pieces together if you hadn't seen anything else and you started off if you went and saw avengers endgame having never seen any marvel content it is impossible to keep up because avengers endgame is a fan service movie and it's the best avengers endgame is everything rise of skywalker was supposed to be done well for its fans Right, it right. was it was a fan service movie that touched on the entire saga up to that point, and referenced it directly. I think honestly, that's what it was intended to. be. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Because and I feel like like Marvel's, but it worked. Multiversal nature caters to that. Yes, and Star Wars is not a multiverse; it is a singular universe. For now. For now, which I'll actually get to in just a sec. The other issue with them trying to really emulate marvel mm-hmm. is we end up with the honestly one of the worst ex- dialogue exchanges in the sequel trilogy somehow pal but no no okay. <laughs> i mean that's bad but it's the when ray is face to face with palpatine mm-hmm. and he's like i am all the sith and she goes i am all the jedi and the reason this is it immediately spawned meme after meme of I am inevitable typed over Palpatine's mm-hmm. face and then Ray going and I am Ray <laughs> and then blowing up it's like wait she was supposed to say I am Iron Man mm-hmm. and then you have you have the entire galaxy appear out of hyperspace all at the same time all in the same spot the ghost was in there somewhere. The ghost was in there, right next to the Falcon. Uh, well, it's it's not it's not you can't really tell for sure. It's one of the ships in the front. You can't really you can't for sure tell. I'm I'm telling you right now, even in the breakdowns, even frame by frame, you cannot 100 percent tell if it is the ghost. Oh, I saw it pretty clearly. Oh, Anyways. it's definitely the ghost, but it's not definitely the ghost. If you know what I'm saying, you have to know. You have to be pretty keen on what the ghost yeah. looks like. Okay, to so it. but. I think I'm, just to, just to add something in here, I don't think Palpatine saying "I am all the Sith" is a problem, because that is the the very nature of the Sith is that yes. you take your master's ceiling and you make it your floor, and you take everything he knew and you build on it, and so Palpatine is the the peak, the literal peak of the Sith up until this point. I agree, and that's an inch because that works for his line. Exactly, it works great for Palpatine. Problem is, is that that's not how they intended it. Well. They, the whole context of the scene, the exchange, the "I am all the Sith" parentheses, "I am inevitable," "I am all the Jedi" parentheses, "I am Iron Man." That's definitely it. Was emulating that moment from Infinity War or Endgame. Endgame. And don't worry. When the galaxy appears, the entire galaxy appears all at the same time. It's all in the emulating same the portals moment from Endgame. Yes, one of the greatest. Oh man, that that movie. And it's it's oh. such a it's such a great ensemble scene scene from Endgame, and it's just like it, it doesn't work for Star Wars because it's one. It was fresh. It had just happened. Mm-hmm. Endgame came out same year, right? Uh, Endgame was twenty nineteen. Yeah, so it came and I out. I believe, yeah, it, like in May or something. So it, it's yeah, so it would be like about six, a, six, seven months a earlier. A great yeah. scene from six months prior. So it's like at that point, rise, rise of 
or, or Rise so, of Skywalker's so, kind of in post production or getting really close to so it. So I will say, I will say, uh, Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War were produced at the same time. Oh, okay. they were filmed and produced at the same time. So uh, Infinity War came out in 2018. So we can assume that the writing and everything had happened sometime in 2016, 17, right? Likely 17. Rise of Skywalker released late 2019. All of that production's happening in 2018, so that is not qu- that is not quite as fresh for Star Wars as it was for for the production team as it was for us. Sure, because and there was there was a much larger gap. There was about a year cushion in there. Sure, that's fair. Uh, though I still think my point stands. Probably, that yeah. It, it's it's it is far too close of a mirror. Oh yeah. To to really interpret it any I mean, other way, the entire sequel trilogy was just taking what what something else what what was done before and doing it again just worse. Yes, like the battle on um, crate was just so hot but worse. That's the first fix: is to get all the writers, get all the producers, get all the creative teams together, and like make it clear: like Star Wars is not the MCU. We need to have a totally different formula totally different format and how we approach content production mm-hmm. in the franchise. So, so clarifying question shows like the Mandalorian Boba Fett, they're all fine as long as they don't, as long as the movies don't rely on them for their canon. Not necessarily for the canon, but for like a complete story. Yeah. Plot and everything, etc. Yeah. Uh, I think Mandalorian does a great job of. Right. So a, a good example of this is if, we don't really know what happens to Boba Fett's armor in between him getting scavenged by the, the Jawas after he gets out of the Sarlacc mm-hmm. and him, or rather Din Djarin, finding it on... Cobb Vanth. Cobb Vanth. 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 V-A-N-T-H. So, Vanth. finding the armor in Cobb Vanth's possession. Vanth. I said Vanth apostrophe S. Vanth. So, anyways. That's a reference. No. Anyways, if in order to either that needs to be left a complete mystery or it needs to be handled by Boba Fett season two. If it's something that gets handled in its new spin off show or in some. I don't know why it'd be a flashback in the Mandalorian, but if it's something that gets shown or explained in a different show, then this is where they've failed. Um, I don't, I think it may be okay for the TV, for the, for the Disney plus original TV shows to be interconnected because of the nature of, they are all like, it is the Disney plus star Wars section, right? Um, to your point, I, I think that it will be handled in Boba Fett season two because of the way that Boba Fett left off with Cobb Bant in the back to pod. Um, and so we will likely get some interactions between him and Boba Fett where I, we may just He'll get tell Cobb Vanth telling the story. Yeah. Yeah. Of how he got it. So well, Boba I feel like that one. Pro- exactly. Exactly. So I think that won't be too much of a problem. Now, why is it Cobb Vanth in that back to pod and not Cad Bane? We'll never know. Why would Boba save Cad Bane? To prove that he's not a killer. I suppose. But he is. Yeah, he is. But he's now. He's better now. He's a good guy now. Because. because I would argue that now he's not a killer of innocence. 
That's valid. Cad Bane is far from. Valid, valid. But I don't know. Like, I I really wanted. I think it it was it was that would be like the the final like piece of the puzzle for Boba Fett, like proving Cad Bane wrong. Because Cad Bane literally says, "I knew, I always knew you were a killer," and then. Boba Fett's like, well, well, yeah, I guess you're right, and then kills him. It's like, wait, well, hold on a minute. No, you can't, you can't like prove him right. Like, it would have been so perfect, right, F- to like finalize that transition of Boba Fett from ruthless bounty hunter to now this like caring, uh, like leader, right? It would, it would so. have solidified that transition. I think so. A lot of people have problems with the development of Boba's character from the book of Boba Fett I don't because I think it's totally valid to have that kind of a paradigm shift in a character just we have to see the paradigm shift occur Mm -hmm. and it needs to be it either has to be some sort of very traumatic event singular event that that happens that causes it overnight or it needs to be something slow and progressive and it was slow and progressive Mm -hmm. with the with the now grant so do you remember the timeline of the Mandalorian and when, because we can Mandalorian season two, whenever that takes place, um, you could, we, there's a way to figure out how long Boba Fett was with the Tusken Raiders because it's not clear. The passage of time is not clear in Boba yeah. Fett. It was um, difficult to follow the first. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm just like wondering how long did he actually spend there? Cause the longer that time period is, the more believable his character growth is. That's yeah, I would agree. Um, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's something we'll have to look up later. Mandalorian seasons, season uh, one. I guess we could Google it. We could. But I think off the top of my head, I think Mando season one is like four years or so after the Battle of Endor. I think this is said sometime in... And I think... Oh, boy. I in think, Mandalorian. And I think Mando season two is like a year nearly five years with the Tuscan tribe before they were slaughtered. Okay. So th- that's, oh, man, that's so that's a, that's great. That's okay. So the, the next kind of thing, and this one is a kind of, I guess, I, I guess for some people would be pretty touchy. Yeah. But you got to depoliticize star Wars. I think that could be said and for when all I pop s- culture. When I s- I tend to agree, but what I mean by that, because everyone says, well, star Wars is always mm. political. It is, but it's not. Because I there's a difference between politics and social politics and, like, social issues. And then there's a difference between, like, political and the way that Star Wars was political. Because Star Wars po- po- politics was never a direct commentary on modern politics or on mm. current, yeah, that's like... Valid. Red versus blue politics yeah, or yeah, anything yeah. like that. You mean Sith versus Jedi. <laughs> yes. Which, ironically, is also red versus blue. That's why I said it, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's more of a commentary on the politics of like overarching things like fascism, imperialism, yeah, yeah, yeah. expansionism, that kind of thing. Sand. <laughs> a, yeah, I don't like it, but that was a really rough and coarse point you made. Oh, God. Thank you. Oh. I'm proud of myself. I'm more proud of myself. <laughs> um, Mine was a joke. Yours was just... <laughs> ugh. Anyway. Uh, so, when you have 
modern storytelling being more of a because why do people go to watch tv or movies to escape to escape why do people go to watch things that are intentionally fantastical like sci-fi and high fantasy to more escape to more escape (laughs) but when they're more escape or they're escape plus to put it in terms of like Apple and a month. Oh my God, words. $7.99 a month for Escape Plus. Yes. Uh, that, that's probably a real subscription. If, <laughs> like a magazine or something. If their Escape Plus is loaded with a bunch of like social politics lecturing from a certain point of view. So I'm going to disagree with you a little bit because i think you can never fault someone for using their platform to send a message whether you agree or disagree with said message i agree i think you you must respect the right that they have to to use that platform to send a message now there's there can there's something to be said about whether it should like uh like affect the story and etc whether it should be the main point all of that, whether it should be done in Star Wars or if that if that platform could be better used or better could be hmm, if that platform could be put to better use in a different framework other than a movie series, right? But I don't think the problem here is the inherent use of a platform to send a to to share a point or send a message. I agree. It, it's fine to have that kind of a because me- that's. Especially when it comes to social politics, because that's you putting your your moral or your ethical message into the sh- into the story, which yeah. every good story is going to have that. Mm-hmm. Every good story is going to have that's, a that that more... that piece of the author that yeah. is a part of it. Like it has to. Without that, then it's just. That's why we have the phrase "moral of the story." Hmm. So it, it's when the moral of story is being conveyed by stopping the scene. Figuratively stopping the scene, having the character look at the camera, break the fourth wall, and go, I am now spoon-feeding you the moral of the story. That's valid. That's when it's a problem. Can you be specific? Um, in Force Awakens, mm-hmm. when Rey first meets Finn, and she's constantly telling him to stop holding her hand. It, it's so over the top and kind of just like on the nose, especially when you look at because if you followed any of the marketing for it, you had Kathleen Kennedy going out with a very overt feminist kind of agenda with it. She had her the forces female T-shirts that she was given out. and She had her writing staff wearing at photo ops, all that kind of stuff. It becomes when you are aware of that kind of like overt agenda in the meta from the writing staff and then you go and you watch the movie and you see the female lead constantly telling the male co-lead to stop holding her hand then it, it it takes you out of the immersion and it takes you out of the story and then you're like oh because i know this about the writer and the production staff and i'm seeing this other thing in the thing in in the movie it's very clearly them interjecting their politics into the story once again i'm going to disagree with you slightly as someone who didn't have any idea about whatever you just said about kathleen kennedy and all of that 
I thought those moments were hilarious. I initially did too. Because um, because it's it it's not like because my focus there wasn't the fact that she kept saying like go of my hand, it's the fact that Finn keeps grabbing her hand. Yes. It's hilarious. It's a I, great it's a great bit. I, I I agree with you to a point, right? But I think your assumption that because you said if you know this outside thing, then it makes the inside thing a problem. Most people don't know the outside thing and is therefore not as much of a problem. I would say that's true for the more like casual fan of Star Wars. And I know a lot of people think the word casual in these kinds of contexts is a loaded term. But for the people who, like me, are not real deep into the lore or don't follow like a lot of the behind the scenes yeah, yeah, yeah. and the production stuff. People who enjoy it for just just the movies and it's such. A, it's a let's go to the movie theater experience. Yeah, yeah. They won't know. Because uh, they're not going to be paying. They're not going to watch all the interviews. So, um, so as as someone who I think sits kind of in the middle of this casual fan we're discussing, and you, um, I, I, like I said, I didn't notice that's that moment specifically. Sure, that's fair. Um, it has to do with because when you have a fan, an existing fan, and like a, like a ceiling fan, no. <laughs> And I'm, you sorry, have, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a bad dad joke. <laughs> when you have an existing fan, and beside them you have someone who is not a fan, they don't know about whatever it is yet. They are a potential fan. Hmm, potential and fan. You show new material in the hopes of getting the potential fan to become a fan. You're doing something right if you leave with two fans if you leave with a new fan and you lost your old fan you didn't do something right. you're bad at bartering if you <laughs> if you trade fans you should walk in with one fan and walk out with two fans one new fan and one old fan yes both should be in good working order and neither should be malfunctioning if so read the warranty on the back <laughs> I'm sorry. Ever since I made the ceiling fan joke, everything you were saying, I was filtering through the image of a guy walking into a hardware store with a fan. Glad to know you're listening. I'm, I am listening and filtering differently than you're meaning it. Anyway, fans. It's, uh, Welcome I really back to our fans podcast. <laughs> so that's like the big issue I have with the, politici- the politicization of Star Wars is that that was a big word they're they're trying to draw in a bunch of new fans mm-hmm. by having a bunch of commentary on social politics mm-hmm. that are you know current day politics and as a result they're driving away huge chunks of the old fan yeah. base yeah i think that's about and yeah it's like you can have your message in, in this particular case it really is possible to have your cake and eat it too because you can have your message to get your new fans and still keep the old fans. It just depends on how you incorporate your message into the story. Yeah. I think we uh, – like this concept I fully agree with because we've talked about this with D&D recently. How the new the new source book is basically rewriting the entire rules of character creation. Sorry for anyone who doesn't play D&D. This is going to make no sense. Um, and basically taking away the entire purpose of the different uh, racial builds, the different class builds, 
and making it to where like you can it's it's all just flavor it's all just uh cosmetics none of it actually matters the way you described to me it was so modular that it was it's 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 there's no point in having different races exactly why have a dark elf well yeah they don't wood elf and a sky elf they don't they just have elf and you choose whatever traits right. you want. And so I think which, it's that thing where you're you're gonna gain all these new these which new is players. Even weirder because if you're gaining if you're gaining those flavors and those traits as you level up, uh, why why would I start as an elf at level one and then somehow magically at level five I've now turned into a dark elf? No, no, you get you get all those dark elf traits at level one should you choose them but you can also choose like one wood elf one high elf one dark elf trait so that's just weird to me it 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 is because and like i understand why they're doing it it way it vastly simplifies character creation it vastly oversimplifies his character creation because you lose the interest the intricacies of what make character creation in D&D fun and that's finding those clever builds. Anyway, sure. we're not here to talk about D&D. I'm just giving you another example for a very small amount of our listening audience <laughs> that's going to get that reference. Anyway, Stephen, so, do you have anything else to add about the politicization? Politicization. No, not really. I mean, that's it. It's It just needs to be... That needs to take a backseat in the actual content creation and production of Star Wars. Uh, I think I think that's valid. I th- uh, Yeah. I think, like I said all- earlier... You have to you have to allow a little bit of room for them to tell to tell their story while also sending a message. Um, but like you said, it it can't the message cannot come at the expense of the story. All right, I think that's all we have for this episode. We'll we'll jump right back into it in the next episode, getting into fan interactions. All right, thanks for listening, and we'll see you. Adios.